Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by OldSchoolLane.blogspot.com and is associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Araminta Show. to a brand new episode of Casual Chats. I am Patricia, and I'm here with a very special guest. He is a content creator known for stuff such as Media Meltdown, the Disney Debate Podcast, as well as the History of One Piece. We have Zenith Will Rule. Welcome aboard, Zenith. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Awesome. So today we're going to be talking about the anime Azumanga Daio. As of uh, the time of this recording, it recently celebrated its 15th anniversary. And also the manga is almost 20 years old and was created by Kiyohiko Azuma. So uh, right before we discuss about the show, um, this is actually a really interesting one because most of the podcasts that I've done in which uh, we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, what have you, they're actually familiar with it or have known about it for a while but this is an interesting case in with zenith has actually seen the show for the first time just recently yeah it was it was very interesting because i just saw this at anime boston for the first time and uh it's something that uh i didn't know what i was getting into but it is legitimately a masterpiece of comedy it is one of those shows that it is kind of like a gag manga strip but every single scene is is funny. It works. Uh, it has an amazing, amazing dub. Um, just everything about it is great. So yeah, um, were you familiar with the with the anime or with the manga before you went to Anime Boston, or was this like completely new to you? Um, I had seen uh, uh, Yezu Otaku's review of it um, long, long ago, so I kind of had an idea of what it was. But uh, a lot of it is stuff that you have to take into context. A lot of the stuff is so much better in context. So, like, going into it, I knew what it was, but not exactly what it was about. And I think this was a good thing, just going into it mostly blind. And uh, I was drinking with uh, Arcada and a bunch of my friends in a hotel room. And we just got drunk and watched Azumanga Daio. It It was a fantastic experience. (laughs) <laughs> I can imagine. So yeah, um, I actually have a long history with this. So it was back in my college years, and I remember 
that I was first introduced to it when uh, a few of my friends from the anime club, uh, which were some members of Wolvolution, were posting up uh, AMVs or whatever anime that they decide to post up. It's like, you know, every time that we met up, we would watch like maybe one episode or two of like an anime. And it would be like something cool, like we would watch Naruto or something like that, or it would be something really weird or obscure, such as Jungle Wa Itsimo Hale no Chegu or Abinobashi Magical Shopping Arcade or Gun Sword. Yeah. But um, there was this one time in which we actually marathoned through, uh, if anybody remembers this, the AMV Hell series. Oh, I watched the hell out of AMV Hell. I watched, uh, I think, the first two or three of those. Like, those were so much fun. And uh, those are the kind of things, like, back when I was uh, just going to Anime Boston as my first con, like, maybe ten years ago before he started making videos. Like, these were the things I watched. And... Uh, they're, they're well edited and they're funny. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, the first, I would say maybe two or three of them, most of them were all Azumanga Dayo. Like, a good majority of them. A, a lot of the gags, a lot of the jokes, they were all, you know, a lot of the songs they would play in, they all featured from Azumanga Dayo. There was, like, the PC one, there was the Special Olympics one, there was, oh my god, there were so many of them. But anyway, that's how I first actually got introduced to it, and I'm like, what is this? Why is that, Why are they showing this a lot in the AMV Hell videos? And so, after I was done watching it, it pretty much was like a massive influence on me. I mean, not only did I really love the show, but it became influential in my writing and everything. So ever since then, I pretty much stuck with watching the show at least every year. Uh, I recently got a question from, a, from one of my live streams asking me, what was my favorite slice of life cartoon? And I answered, my favorite American one is Hey Arnold. My favorite Japanese one is Azumanga Dayo. Let's delve into this because... Um, because to be quite honest, the story is not going to be one that we're going to really talk too much into. I mean, unlike the previous podcast where we did Sailor Moon and Naruto, the story pretty much has like, l there's there's nothing to it. I mean, it's just, you have a group of high school girls going to school, living off everyday life, and all the wacky adventures that happen. That's basically it. I remember reading an anime website once in which they described Azumanga Dayo as the Seinfeld of anime. It's basically about nothing, but there's so much about it. It is the traditional slice-of-life anime, and Seinfeld is a very good example because they're just wacky people, wacky characters, but realistic people, people that you can see in real life existing and that you might know. And because it's so down-to-earth, because it's like this show that um, you can relate to these characters... That's what makes it uh, funny because you know this would happen in real life. And I think that's what slice of life anime don't have these days. Um, a lot of these big slice of life anime that they're trying to push are very supernatural in nature. And that can work, but I don't think it works as well as something that gets it so much close to home. When it hits close to home, I find it funnier. Now, you're actually more familiar with anime content than I am. So, I mean, back then, like, before Azumanga Dayo came out in, in the manga in 1999, what was a slice-of-life anime like? Honestly, I couldn't say, because from what I understand and from what um, Arakata and a lot of and Professor Otaku uh, told me, this was the, like, originator of the genre. Like, there might be other things before it, 
but this is the example of what slice of life is. Um, I think beforehand, maybe you could make a case for maybe Great Teacher Onizuka, but Great Teacher Onizuka is more uh, a life lesson show uh, than a slice of life. Stuff happens in a slice of life setting. But in general, it's about a person trying to teach people lessons. So you could maybe say Great Teacher Onizuka, but it, it's it, you'd be hard pressed to find something in that same formula uh, of slice of life uh, as Azumanga Dayo at that point in time. Right. So yeah, I think that um, for the most part, you're absolutely right because I was doing a little bit of research myself. I'm planning on doing a video on this on how it was influential to slice of life anime, but yeah, it was pretty much like one of the first of its kind in a time in which you know um, an anime. I mean, back in the '90s, especially. I want to go. I want to talk about that because a lot of the anime in the '90s were all action based. You had, you know, the Dragon Ball franchise. You had Evangelion. You had Cowboy Bebop, and you know they were all action oriented. It was all about fighting. It was all about adventure and stuff like that. So something as down to earth as Azumanga Daio must have been um, a pretty revolutionary thing for its time. It is like it's a revolutionary thing, but also because it dares to be different and it dares to do things um, more traditional in terms of comic book strips. If you think about comic book strips, like the four panel newspaper type strips that you'd see uh, in stores, like this is something like Garfield or or uh, Family Circus, like this is turned into an anime and you didn't see a lot of that back then because... A lot of these are based on actual manga. For something like this to get adapted into a fully-fledged anime instead of, like, a graphic novel or or, or something like... Uh, here, here's an example that's very similar. Uh, have you... You've heard of One Punch Man, right? Of course. One Punch Man was originally a webcomic that was then translated into a manga, which was then adapted into... An anime. This is skipping that middle step, and that doesn't happen very often. Well, don't forget that also, in order for the anime to be picked up, originally there was an ONA. It was like three-minute ONA online in the year 2000 to see if maybe people would be interested in seeing if maybe this could be a possible show. And it became a success, and then eventually we had the TV series. So we went from manga to ONA to uh, anime series. It okay. Kind of, it, I guess it kind of works that way, sort of. But yeah, I mean, imagine that something that came out in the year two thousand online, and the people would be the ones saying, "Okay, I would be interested in watching more of this." And I re and I just watched it not too long ago, and it's okay. Uh, it's basically that it, it focuses on Chio. She brings a camera over and she's recording everybody, and then Tomo snatches it away from her, and she's asking everybody to do something, and. It's it's fine. It's uh, it's. I mean, I feel like you know, it's definitely like a starting point, and it shows off the goofiness. But it didn't really come on its own. So yeah, I, I think that maybe we can now start talking about it. So let's talk about the characters because these are the ones that we're going to be really focusing on the most. So uh, who should we start with? Because there's so many people we can talk about. The, there's a lot of people that are really relatable, but I think Miss uh, Sakaki, she's an interesting character because she barely talks uh she's very very quiet yet everyone thinks she's super cool and she's very athletic like she she almost feels like she's too old to be in the classroom 
I think what I like about her is that she just kind of does what she wants to do. Uh, she she is a little bit um, miffed because she wants to be invited to more events and some people are intimidated by her. But she just goes about and does her own thing and she tries to have relationships with animals and she keeps getting bitten and she's a relatable character, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I think out of the six girls that are featured in the series, Sakaki is the one that grows the most. I'm, I'm not talking about like physical. I mean, obviously she does. She grows a lot taller. She's the tallest of the girls and she's five foot eight and she's still growing according to what the manga says and her boobs are the ones that, that is growing the most but i'm talking about like as a character in the beginning of the show she starts off very quiet and she's intimidating a whole bunch of people but at the same time everybody thinks that she's so cool and then when she meets up with the other girls is where we see her develop more she's open more she comes out of her shell and then eventually you know some positive things do happen in her life and she becomes really determined to bring out the best of herself with everybody else around her. And I think that that's really relatable. A person who starts off really quiet and shy and, and feels intimidated by her own insecurities, you know, because she wants to, she loves cute things. She loves stuffed animals. She loves real animals. But she feels like because of her height and because she feels, because everybody's intimidated by her, she feels like that she needs to keep within herself. And then when she meets up with other characters, especially with Chio, who's the complete opposite of her, we'll talk about more in a minute, she feels like she can be more of herself and she feels a lot more open to um, expressing herself, which, you know, especially in the scene in which when the girls are hanging out together around Christmas time and they're singing karaoke is when, you know, I feel that she opens a lot more of herself, especially with, um, you know, they, they knew something, they didn't, they didn't know that she can sing karaoke very well. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, like, um, she has a lot of talents that they don't really talk to her about, they don't know about. And a lot of this is shown um, with Sakaki with, uh, without words. Like, she doesn't say a lot of things, but you can tell how she's feeling. And she does have a little bit of an internal monologue, but even then she doesn't say much. Um, she says maybe one or two words, and she gets across exactly what she's thinking. And I really like that about her. Yes, I do as well. She, in, in her movements, in her sitting down, contemplating my, uh, her thoughts in her mind, you know what she's going through, what she's thinking about without her saying anything. And I think that's really fantastic, especially with a show that is like most of the times really wild and insane. It has subtle, quiet moments, especially when focusing on that. And, and you definitely need that because... You know, it will get too much. It, I mean, it's you can either go with what, what, either direction. It's, it'll either be too crazy or too quiet, and it has that nice balance. And I think Takaki definitely brings that. Agreed. I, I definitely agree with that. All right. I guess we can start off with our next character. I, I want to start off with Chio because uh, Chio is one of the first characters that we meet in this series, and she is the child prodigy. She's ten years old. She's already in high school. Her parents are rich. You know, um, I just did Sailor Moon a few weeks ago and we talked about Chibiusa and how incredibly annoying she was in the original. And it's like, Chio is basically like a great example on how to do a kid character. First of all, she's 10. She could have been a brat. A second thing, she's rich. She could have been a brat. Third thing, she's intelligent. She's a prodigy. She could have flaunted out her intelligence. But she does neither of those things. 
Sure, she may play off the stereotypical, oh, I'm small and I'm cute, but I think that, you know, with everything that she had to, I mean, she does have faults. Like, you know, when she was saying to Yomi about, oh, I, I, there's some things I can't do. I can't do tongue twisters. And then she tries to say the tongue twister. It's, it's funny. And also she's a terrible athlete because she's small and because she's not as athletic compared to Kagura, Sakaki, or even Yomi, she tries, you know, a whole bunch of things. She doesn't do well in the sports festival. She tries doing athletics. She can't swim very well. So we do see that she has some faults and it's adorable. And we do get to feel that strong relatability of with because she's young and she's the smallest of all the girls, especially, uh, you know, with one her age, she feels like she wants to be like Sakaki in which she wants to be tall and cool. So we do get to see that dynamic together with Chio and Sakaki. And it does well because Sakaki wants to be smaller and cute so that she can be able to express her love of animals and at the same time be close to people. But Chio wants to grow up and she wants to be taller and become an adult because she feels that more people can take her seriously. She can be able to do more adult things. So that's a great balance of uh, you know a character like that. It's an interesting character because when you first see Chio, you wouldn't expect her to be this genius. And she doesn't really display it that much. There's a lot of times where uh, she's kind of this naive child, but then she comes up and she says, oh, I made this little school lunch, and it's, like, perfect. And there, there's a lot of times where she surprises you, and I think that's the good thing about the character is that the character really keeps you on your toes. You never really know what to think about her. Like, she has this cute child persona, but then she does really, really well on these tests. She writes her name really well. She makes her lunch. You know, she does all these things really well. And then she goes right back to being this naive little child. And I think that's a really good balance and something that you kind of need in a show like this. Um, you need surprises. And Chio's a huge surprise. Although I think the funniest Chio moment um, isn't in reality. It's the dream of uh, Osaka where, uh, you know, she's t uh, Chio takes off her pigtails and puts on new ones. <laughs> Like I saw, I saw that in uh, in somebody's clip before, and I'm like, "What the hell?" And then I saw that uh, in the actual show, and it's just so much funnier knowing the context of that, and and that you know, she thinks the pigtails are are like not really attached; they're just put on. Like I like that. That's genius, I have to say. And uh, I guess you know, if I, I guess we have to talk about Osaka because. Oh man, Osaka is hands down one of the most interesting characters I've ever seen in an anime. She is really idiosyncratic with her talks. She's kind of an airhead. She sleeps all the time in class. And, you know, she just brings up the most non sequitur statements ever. And nobody knows why she's saying it. But it's just so funny. You never know what Osaka is going to say. And it just leaves you hanging. It's like, what is she going to say? There's so many Osaka moments I can talk about. Like, one of my favorites is when um, she approaches Yukari-sensei and asking her about, in America, people wear their shoes inside the house. What if you step in dog crap? They don't know that you're that you stepped in it. And then the American mom, dad, brother, and sister—they all step in dog crap, and they don't know about it. It's like, where did that come from? <laughs> um, my favorite is Team Sea Slug. <laughs> she, she just comes up with it, and she's a character that I really root for because she says the funniest things. 
but at the end of the day, she's a character that when she has her moments, like she wants to succeed. She wants to do better. She was transferred here because she failed out of her old school. And that is so, so sad because she tries so hard. She just can't concentrate and her mind works in a different way. And, um, she says these things because, uh, that's the way her mind works. And there's a really good episode earlier on where she, she really laments this fact, but there's not much she can do. And and unfortunately, like, you know, even though she tries to get it together and repeats this phrase, it's not helping. So I really feel for her as a character, even though she's very funny, she's very, uh, relatable to, to people who don't have, um, you know, that who aren't the smartest or struggling in school. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even, you know, she's smart in a different way. Later on in the series, Tomo is asking Chio a whole bunch of questions that involve with, like, riddles and puns, and Osaka was able to answer it immediately. And they're shocked by this because who would have thought that Osaka would be saying these things really good? And um, then we, you know, cut into the scene in which Chio recommends to Osaka, why don't you become a school teacher after, you know, when you go to college? And Yukari's like pretty pissed when she says, do you think I'm an idiot? Do you think all teachers are idiots? Why do you recommend Osaka to be a teacher? So it's like, yeah, I mean, sure, she's different compared to pretty much everybody. And she's really airheaded most of the time. And she does have good intentions, even though they don't work most of the time. I'm sure the infamous scene that everybody still talks about to this day is when Osaka wants to wake up Yukari Sensei with a frying pan, and she ends up carrying a 13-inch kitchen knife, and then Os- and Yukari Sensei thinks she's going to be murdered. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Osaka does have really good intentions. And, and for a while, I think in, like, a whole bunch of, like, popularity polls or something like that in magazines she was like one of the most popular characters um in over uh, overall for a while so yeah it's i mean she's definitely really unique and it's a bit sad once you think a little bit more deeper into it but at the same time it's just so funny of all the things that she does yeah it's it's a kind of thing where uh she does things without really thinking about it and she doesn't have that filter and i really like that um, and I think that's where uh, the good thing about this show comes in. A lot of the comedy and a lot of the heart is that these characters are, they come from a believable place. And none of it is mean-spirited uh, for the most part. And I think that is what it does right. It comes from a grounded place of, of heart. And you can really sense this from every single character, even the most energetic of the bunch. Um, it, it just they all have passion behind them. And that's where a lot of the comedy comes from. Yes. Speaking of energetic, I guess we can talk about Tomo next. And oh, God, Tomo is like she's like a firecracker if it just keeps on exploding. It, it, you, she is so wild and she is so unpredictable with her with everything it's like you can never know what she's going to be doing she's i mean she she's a fast talker she does a whole bunch of crazy unexpected things and everybody's like really pissed off at her most of the time especially her best friend yomi you know you have that one scene like when you we first get introduced to her she's late and so she decides i'm gonna wait out in the hall and i'm gonna hold a bunch of buckets for like 20 minutes so i can feel the punishment or when the girls go into the summer home and then when she was about to get the keys 
Tomo grabs the keys, throws it away into the grass for absolutely no reason. And I think that's kind of the funny thing is that she does things that people normally don't want to happen to them. But just to experience it, just to do it, she has this energy about her that's infectious. And you can see why people find her annoying. But at the same time, she's different from annoying characters today where, like, Compare this to Konohamaru, where I can understand where he's coming from, but I still find his voice and a lot of his personality annoying. She has the opposite effect, where I can't understand where she's coming from, but she's so enjoyable to watch that it doesn't matter. Not to mention, she has some great lines. Probably one of my favorites is when... Um, Yukari is talking to the students saying that they have to up their grades and they have to, um, you know, continue on with doing well in school. Otherwise, they will not continue with graduating. And then she looks at Tomo and saying, like, there are some people out there who cannot copy Chiyo's homework. And without missing a beat, she says, I copy off Yomi's homework, too. (laughs) Or how about how about when... You know, Tomo and Yomi are arguing with one another. And then Chio tells them to calm down. Without missing a beat, instead of Tomo saying, I'm sorry, she just says, idiot. And then they start fighting again. It's like, what is this? Seriously, this this is crazy. I also love how she keeps, like, throwing uh, Chio everywhere. Like, just flinging her off into the distance. Yeah, or when the cockroach shows up, and then the first thing that she does before killing it is that she smacks Chio and Yomi up in the air. Yes, um, or when she, uh, when somebody gets the hiccups and she like punches them in the gut. The solar plexus. The solar plexus. Yeah, uh, that's that's great. Uh, speaking of Yomi, basically the grounding factor for Tomo. Uh, Yomi is she grounds her like they fight all the time. But whenever uh, Tomo is going too far, Yomi is there to pull her back, and I like that. That's why they're friends, and that's why even though they constantly fight, they are perfect for each other because they complement each other. Yeah, and not to mention that Yomi goes through her struggles as well. Even though that she does well in school, and even though that she does well athletic-wise, she's nothing in comparison to Chio or with um, Kagura and Sakaki. But also at the same time, not only does she have to deal with Tomo's crap, but also she has, you know, she has problems with, you know, dieting. Like, she's always struggling with her weight, even though that she looks perfectly fine. She always feels like that she's... She doesn't look right, and she, you know, she's constantly switching between other diets so that she can look good. And, you know, also another thing is that um, in the series, you know, she went through a, a lot of things. Like, she's not the best singer. Everybody, you know, pretty much makes fun of her for that. And also, she was the only one out of the group who didn't pass their... Uh, for their um, their state exam so that, you know, w- whether she would go over to college or not. And there's always, like, this struggle. And also when the episode in which she gets sick and she couldn't make it over to Magical Land. So, yeah, we always see Yomi going through things. But also at the same time, we always see that, you know, she does have a grounded personality. She's the most grounded out of the six girls. And, you know, you need that, especially when you have characters like Tomo around. Exactly. Like, she is the... Uh more normal one and while she's not entirely normal she's the most out of the group 
out of everyone, she just kind kind of tends to be the voice of reason, uh, especially when it comes to the fangirl. Ah, uh, <laughs> Kaurin, yes. Yes, Kaurin is, is a lot of fun because she basically has a crush on Miss Sakaki. And it leads to a lot, a lot of fun. I think what works about her is that she's always blushing and she always is fantasizing things. Um, so normal situations turn into hilarity because she's thinking something else. There's a lot of miscommunication, especially when they all go to the summer house and she's left out and like, uh, you slept with Miss Sakaki and Tomo rubs it in her face. <laughs> Yeah, because she doesn't know exactly. And it's it's like it's an innocent little crush. I I support it, but I don't think Miss Sakaki even knows she's there. No, nah, she, um, I I don't even think that she really even knows that she exists most of the time. It's like she says I don't even think she even mentions her name throughout the series. I I just marathoned through the show yesterday, and I don't think she even mentioned her name once. So it's like she's just an acquaintance that I know in class. I don't think much of it. And it's it's even funnier that you have Kaurin who worships Sakaki and has this little crush on her and, you know, wants to be with her all the time. In fact, I remember this, this clip from one of the old, the newer AMV Hell, um, uh, you know, clips of the, the AMV Hell specials. And it was like Kaurin. And it's a scene in which Kaurin and Sakaki are riding on the horse. And it's that song, you know, always I want to be with you. It's like, oh, my God, that's perfect. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, um, Kaurin, is, it, it, she's a minor character in the series. We do see her on and off. And it's basically either one of two things that happens. Her crushing on Sakaki or her trying to stay away from Kimura Sensei. Kimura Sensei is a lot of fun. Uh, not as fun as the other teachers because they also have their little lesbian relationship going on there, but uh, they they are a lot of fun. Yeah, so, oh God, Kimura-sensei, he is so out there. Like, he is the classic perverted teacher. I mean, even in the first moment that we meet him, you know, he's teaching class and he's talking about that you have to go out there and make something of yourself, have to find out what you're passionate about and just go for it. Uh, you know, as soon as he was done with his lecture, one of the high school students asks him, why, why did you become a teacher? And then he says, I like high school girls and stuff. So it's like, that's perfect. I mean, I guess I should mention this before everybody else in the comments does, but he was the one who came up, uh, the, his, the quote, um, th there was the uh, the episode in which when the girls find out that he has a wife and they see the picture, and in the Japanese version, if you hear him, the way he says it, it this is actually the, where the term "my wife" who came from. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which is interesting. I I hadn't gone that far. I didn't know he had a wife because all I know is uh, him always like luring around like while they're swimming and stuff. And I love the pause right after he says, "I love high school girls," and like everyone's silent and then the boys in the class just clap and i'm like <laughs> yeah. Man, that is just hilarious it's hilarious absolutely and yeah um i have a story about this it's, it's really quick so i was in a convention and i saw this um i saw this stand where they were selling a whole bunch of t-shirts and hats and stuff like that where it was saying like waifu and i was approaching the guys who run, who were running it and i was like i was saying hey do you know where the term came from and he's like i don't know is it an anime thing and it's like yes it's an anime thing but which anime and they didn't know and it's like oh it came from azumanga daio it's a show about this and this and that and they're like oh i didn't know that i thought it was just a japan thing and so i was like okay sure bye <laughs> yeah there's that 
And then there's the teachers, uh, the other teachers, Yukari-sensei and uh, Kurosawa-sensei. And, I mean, basically, they're very similar to Tomo and Yomi, except they're adults and um, they're insane, <laughs> especially Yukari. She's absolutely insane. She has some of the best moments in the series, and she's just so crazy. And um, I, 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 But also, at the same time, that I also want to mention is that I love... Kurosawa's or Nyamo or you know her name her nickname I love her story in which when her mother is pressuring her to find a boyfriend because she's already getting to that age and then she's struggling to find out whether she should and then when her and um Yukari are going over to the hotel bar to celebrate the the, the falling of the cherry blossoms and they meet up with their old high school friend and they were talking about, hey, I have these two guys from work. You should meet up with them. And then Yukari is, gets really drunk and she becomes incredibly loud and she, they pretty much scare – she scares them away. And then they're sitting at the under the tree drinking and talking about maybe I'm not ready for a guy yet. But I'm thinking about maybe it's about time at some point that I have to start – thinking about my life outside of just being a PE teacher. So I think that's really amazing. And I think that it doesn't really get talked enough because it's, we're all focusing on the girls. But, you know, seeing, you know, um, Kurosawa-sensei's perspective on wanting to become older and wanting to, you know, think about marriage and, you know, moving on to bigger and better things. But at the same time, she has a passion and love for her job as a PE teacher. I really relate to that. I didn't before the first time I watched it, but... Now that I rewatched it just yesterday, I, I really relate to this a lot more now. Yeah, I can definitely relate to these characters. Like she, they're they're basically at that point in life where they just became teachers. They're they're not quite past the student thing yet, and I really like that. And I like their relationship. Um, one of the voice actors, I forget who, said they uh, they had uh, these characters as lesbians in mind while voicing the part, and I think that really. Um, makes a lot of sense for these characters is that they both like each other that much but they don't want to say it and you can really see the closeness that they have together um, especially when uh, with my favorite moment when it's a love letter love letter love, 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 love letter um, it, it's, these characters are genuine and I like that or, 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 yeah, I mean, even with their moments in the summer home, whether it be uh, Yukari-sensei speaking in English and all the students are impressed, or when uh, Kurosawa-sensei gets really drunk on sake and she's talking about sex, it's like, you know, you have all these moments, and they're all so funny, but they, there's some genuine moments that are really quiet and are really touching. So we can talk about this show for. Ever, But you know what? I think this is one of those shows in which you need to see it for yourself in order for you guys to appreciate it. So I give this one a really high recommendation. If any of you guys are a fan of other anime such as K-On! or Lucky Star or The, uh, the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, watch Azamanga Daio. This is basically where it all started. Yes. Um, I give this a firm recommendation of you have to see it. It is a masterpiece. The dub is a masterpiece. It is a show that speaks for itself. You have to go out and see it because even just watching the clips without context does not you do any justice. Like this is a show that I wish I had seen earlier. It is a classic. It started all these slice of life shows. And again, it's a masterwork. Yes. You should go see it. And and the fact that it's like, you know, the fact that it's 15 years old and I mean, the anime is 15 years old. The manga is almost 20, but it still holds up so well. It's still so funny, and, you know, all these moments, all these characters, all these little 
things that they put into the show, it, it's it's still amazing. So yes, we give it our firm recommendation for you guys to check it out. It gets my official seal of approval, and uh, yeah, it, it, it may be old, but that doesn't mean it's not good. Absolutely. All right, so I think that we can wrap things up. So please, Zenith, uh, plug and promote your stuff. Um, I'm again. I'm Zenith Rule. Uh, I'm on YouTube.com/slash Zenith Will Review. I do a bunch of different shows, such as History of One Piece, like you mentioned. Uh, my podcast, The Disney Debate, has started to get pretty popular lately, which I'm actually pretty proud of, since we actually recently brought it back. We were on hiatus for a long time. In addition to all of that. Uh, I do a show called Zen Movies where I talk about films and I do a show about anime. So uh, that's what I do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on by, Zenith. Really do appreciate it. No problem. And uh, hopefully I can stay longer next time. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we I, I promised you that in October we were going to do Yu Yu Hakusho. So hopefully by then we can talk more. Yes, uh, that I'll, I will I will set aside a lot more time on a day where I don't have a concert to go to. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you for having me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, th thank you so much, and le let us know in the comments below. Uh, if you guys are fans of the show, let us know who your favorite characters are, what are your favorite moments, and if you did see it for the first time, what are your thoughts on it? So that's it, everybody. Hope to see you around soon, and thank you for listening. Thank you.